All right, you have your Bibles open to Romans chapter 1 tonight. We're going to go ahead and get started with the message. And we're going to begin reading in Romans chapter number 1 in verse number 1. The Bible says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by the prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Verse 6, Among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ? To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray and we'll look at the message tonight. Heavenly Father, we love you tonight. We thank you for the tremendous service we've had already, Lord, how the music has been honoring to thee and how it's stirred our hearts. Lord, I pray now that as we open thy word, that the Holy Spirit of God would take control of the service, that you would use me in a powerful way to speak to the hearts of thy people. Lord, I pray tonight, if there's one here that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, that tonight they would realize that they are a sinner in need of a Savior, and they would make that decision tonight. I pray that thy people, the believers, would be strengthened and encouraged through thy word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As you look at the first six verses here in Romans chapter number 1, we find a word that is used uh, several times throughout, and that word is the word called, or some variation of the word. We see it, uh, I believe, three times through these verses. Now, we in our circles make a lot, and we place a lot of emphasis on the word called. We talk about God's calling on our lives. We talk about those that are called. But I'm afraid that so often we really don't understand what it means to be called of God. We throw the word around often in our spiritual lingo, and it kind of sounds good when you say it because, you know, you're super Christian and you throw around these big words. And the question is, do we really understand what it means to be called of God? Do we really understand the callings of God? There are many that would say, if you were to ask them about this subject, many would say, well, I'm just waiting on God's calling. Now, oftentimes what they mean by that when they say, I'm waiting on God's calling, they are making an excuse to sit idle and do nothing for God. Oftentimes, that's what they're trying to get across when they say they're waiting on God's calling. There are many others, if you ask them, they would say, well, God's never called me. God hasn't called me to anything. I've never received the calling of God. Some would say that they've been called, um, but really that calling that comes from God is only for the super spiritual. There are those that believe the call of God is only for the super-Christian and the average believer would never be called. I want you to see tonight, we're going to look at three different callings that God has for you and I. I want you to understand, does He call? Has He called you? Is it important to recognize that you have been called? What are His callings? Maybe these are questions that you've asked yourself before. I want us to look tonight, according to God's Word, I want you to see... First of all, the truth is, each and every one of us have been called of God. You may not understand it, you may not realize it, maybe you're a new Christian and you haven't understood this, but I want you to see that every individual has been called of God. There's a calling on your life. 
each and every one of us. I believe there are universal callings that encompass each and every individual upon the face of the earth. You have been called. I want you to see the first calling that we have in our lives. Look with me again in verse number 6. The Bible says, "...among whom ye are also the called of Jesus Christ, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God." Notice this next phrase, "...called to be saints." I want you to see tonight that the very first calling in your life is a calling to salvation. God has called each and every person in the world today to be saved. He has called us to salvation. That does not mean that each and every person in the world is going to go to heaven. The Bible doesn't teach that. But I believe with all of my heart that God has called each and every one of us to be saved. The Bible teaches us that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It is literally God's desire that every single person in the world would go to heaven, would have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just a knowledge of who He is, but God's desire is that you and I have a relationship that is real, that is meaningful with the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, friend, that's incredible that God would think of you and I sinful creatures and He would have a desire for you and I to fellowship and get to know Him. What this means is that anybody, regardless of who they are, regardless of where they come from, regardless of how they were raised, has an opportunity to be saved. God has called us to salvation. Can I tell you one of the wonderful things about this? Is it's God's desire that you and I spend eternity in heaven with God. What that means is it's God's desire that you at some point in your life recognize that you are a sinner. The Bible teaches that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What that means is a sin is anything that you and I do, say, or think that displeases God, that breaks God's law. And the Bible says we are all guilty. We are all sinners. There is none righteous, no, not one. We have all done something to break God's law. Because of that, we are sinners. And the Bible declares to us that our sin must be punished. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. That death is final, eternal separation from God in a place called hell. The Bible says that hell is a very real place. It is a place where the fire is not quenched. It's a place where the worm dieth not. It's a place of torment day and night for all of eternity. Hell is a place of no escape. There are those that would teach that there is a place that is called purgatory, a temporary place to where you can pay for your sins. That's not found in God's Word. The Bible says if you die in your sin having rejected Christ, you will be in eternity in hell in the lake of fire, and you will stay there without any chance of an escape. That's what the Bible teaches. The wages of sin is death, final separation from God. But it is God's desire that you recognize this. Friend, you can never receive salvation until you first realize that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. We have all sinned. We all were born in a hopeless condition without any way of getting to heaven outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm so glad that even though I was a sinner... Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. He was buried and He rose again the third day. Jesus Christ is alive today. He is alive and well, seated at the right hand of God the Father, praying for you and I. Can I tell you what this means? If you've been called to salvation, and you have, 
It's God's desire that you realize you're a sinner. It's God's desire that you recognize your sin must be punished. And it is God's desire that you believe what the Bible says. Jesus Christ, God's Son, died on the cross for your sins. He was buried and He rose again the third day. And the Bible says, <coughs> excuse me, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you realize tonight that you're a sinner and you know your sin must be punished, but you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died for you, was buried and rose again, and you ask the Lord Jesus Christ, you pray from your heart for the Lord to forgive you of your sins, to come into your life and save you, guess what happens? You receive eternal life. You receive salvation. And by the way, (coughs) you were called to this. He's not willing that any should perish. At the moment we receive salvation, God desires that we move beyond simply going to heaven and we enter into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible likens salvation to marriage. The moment that we say our I do's and we enter into a relationship with our spouse, that's not just something we stand at the altar, say I do, and never communicate with them again. That'd be crazy. We enter into a relationship where day after day we draw closer to one another. We get to know each other in a more intimate way. That is the relationship that we ought to have with the Lord Jesus Christ. We receive Him as our Savior and daily, every day, we draw closer to the Lord. We have been called to salvation. Can I tell you what else this means? This means for you as a believer, you never have to wonder when you go out on visitation whether or not God wants the individual you're talking to to be saved. Never have to wonder wonder about that. You can never witness to the wrong person because God's will is that nobody should perish. He's not willing that any should perish. All have been called to salvation. Don't let that word scare you. Again, many are confused about God's calling, but this is one thing that we have all been called to do, to receive Jesus as our Savior. Now, unfortunately, there are many that will reject this calling. The Bible teaches that broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat. Not everybody, though they are called to salvation, will be saved. But praise God for those who receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior and they accept that free gift of salvation. I want you to see tonight that this goes completely against the idea that you have all been called to salvation goes completely against the Calvinist who would believe that God has chosen some to be saved and others to be condemned. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that He, by the grace of God, catch this, should taste death for every man. The Bible says that Jesus tasted death for every man. The Bible says that Jesus bore in His body the sin of the world. You know, it would be awfully foolish for the Lord Jesus Christ to suffer and taste death for every man, but then create those who have no choice but to go to hell. Be awful foolish, wouldn't it? Praise the Lord, the Calvinists are wrong and the Bible is right. God tasted death for every man. He's not willing that any should perish. We all have the opportunity to receive Christ as our Savior. But here's the catch. It has to be our choice. We have a choice to accept Christ or to reject Christ, and it has to be by our choice. God has never, God will never force His will upon you and I. Our God is not a dictator. Rather, it is God's desire that we choose Him. 
His desire is that we recognize how great of a God He is. We recognize the sacrificial love that He had for us. And that moves us and motivates us to choose Him. Friend, I want you to see tonight, the very first calling in your life is a calling to be with Him. And that is only possible through salvation. And after that salvation, we ought to enter into an intimate relationship with the Lord. Number two tonight, I believe there is a second calling that we have all fallen underneath, a universal calling. You say, well, have I been called? Yes, you have. You've been called to salvation. Number two, after your salvation, after you've entered into a relationship with the Lord, there's a second calling that we each have on our lives, and it is a calling to live a life of obedience. Each and every one of us are called to a life of obedience. I want you to see what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 6 and verse 19. The Bible says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. In these verses we see, the Bible says emphatically, that you and I have been purchased by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. (coughs) God's Son literally came to earth, lived a perfect life, went to the cross of Calvary, went willingly, and He suffered and He bled and He died. And by the way, He knew every moment He was on this earth where He was heading. And He went willingly. He could have called a thousand, ten thousand, a million angels to release Him from the cross, but He stayed willingly, suffering, despising the shame, but it was for the glory that was set before Him. Jesus bought and purchased us with His own blood. If you're saved tonight, if you've received the Lord as your Savior, you don't belong to yourself, you belong to God. And God has called you and I to a life of obedience. The Bible says here, you're bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that at the moment we receive Jesus as our Savior, the Holy Spirit of the living God comes to indwell each and every one of us. You realize tonight as a Christian, as a believer, your body is the temple, the house, the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit of God. That ought to affect change in our life, should it not? We are called to a life of obedience. And by the way... We obey the Lord Jesus Christ, not out of obligation, but we obey the Lord Jesus Christ. We obey the Word of God, and that stems out of our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Literally, the way that we demonstrate, the way that we show our affection to God Almighty is through being obedient to His Word. We literally cannot physically hug the Lord Jesus Christ. God is a spirit. They that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. You know, when we uh, show affection toward people we love, toward our spouses, toward our parents, oftentimes we show physical affection. We give a hug. We give a kiss. I want you to know tonight, I cannot physically give my God a hug or a kiss. How can I show God I love Him? How can I demonstrate my love for Christ? He said, if you love me, prove it by keeping my commandments. We are called to a life of obedience. It ought to stem out of our love for Him. The verses we read, 1 Corinthians 6.20, speaks about glorifying God. He says, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 
Do you realize tonight that the only way that we can bring glory to God is through our obedience? If we are disobedient children, (coughs) we cannot bring any glory to the Father. Romans 6, you're in Romans chapter 1. Turn a few pages over to chapter 6. I want you to see this. Romans 6 and verse number 16. The Bible says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness." I want you to see what these verses are telling us. He says, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourself servants to obey, his servants ye are. What the Bible is telling us here is the person that we yield ourselves to be obedient unto is whose servant we are. If we are obedient to sin, if we yield ourselves to our sin, what that means is by yielding to our sin, we are actually yielding to the devil. We are serving the devil because God does not tempt us with sin. Sin comes directly from Satan. And he says here, if you yield yourself to sin, you are a servant of the devil. But then he says, if you yield yourself obedient to righteousness, you become a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I love what he says here. He says, God be thanked, in verse 17, that ye were servants of sin. Prior to salvation, before you received Christ, you had no choice. You were a slave to your sin. You were a slave to the devil. But upon receiving salvation, that first calling, you move from a slave to sin to you were a slave to sin. He says, but now you've obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine. You've obeyed the gospel. You've received the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that was delivered you. And now you are made free from sin. Friend, we don't have to be a slave to our sin. To whom you yield yourself servants to obey, his servants you are. Friend, how much better is it to obey God's word and be called a servant of Christ, a servant of righteousness, than to not yield to the God's word and be called a servant of the devil? Do you realize tonight that you can be a born-again, blood-bought believer and serve the devil? The Bible teaches that. You can be a blood-bought believer tonight on your way to heaven and yield yourself to sin, and in so doing, you're doing the devil's work. I don't know about you tonight, friend, but I want to be a servant of righteousness. I want to be a servant of the Lord. I never want my testimony to be one that others look at me and they say that I'm fulfilling Satan's work by being yielded to my sin. I want to be a yielded to the Lord Jesus Christ. A call to obedience. What does that mean? How are we obedient We must be obedient to the Word of God. Specifically, we need to be obedient to God's Word in the matter of holiness. You realize that we serve a holy God, and He demands of us holiness. Be ye holy, for I am holy. We need to be holy men and women of God. Pure in our minds, pure mentally, pure physically. We need to be obedient to God's Word in the matter of witnessing The Bible teaches that if you've received salvation, if you're on your way to heaven, at the moment you receive Christ as your Savior, you became a witness of the saving grace of God. Ye are witnesses. Now, many people, even though they're witnesses, they've experienced salvation, they don't use it. 
They don't tell others. In fact, they take that light of the gospel, they hide it under a bushel. Nobody can see the light of Christ in their lives. The Bible says to you and I, if we're saved and we know how we were saved, we can tell others how to be saved. We are witnesses. Being a witness of the gospel is non-negotiable. God has called us to obedience. We will never be right with God if we neglect the call to preach the gospel to every creature. We must be obedient in the matter of holiness, in the matter of witnessing. How about the matter of authority? We each have authority in our lives. And most of us, if we're honest, we really don't like submitting to anybody else. But yet, God has placed in each of our lives authority. If you're a young person tonight, you have authority of your parents, your grandparents, your guardians, that God has placed in your life that you are to be subject to. Some of you older folks, you're out in the workforce, you have a a boss at work. That is your authority. Right, wrong, and different. If you don't like him, you may not like how he is. God has called you to be obedient to your authority. Do you realize that maybe he may not be the nicest guy, he may not be the best Christian there ever is, But if you'll be obedient to God by being obedient to your authority, you can win your boss to the Lord by your testimony and your subjection to His authority. Each and every one of us, we're members of Central Baptist Church. We're in the local church. We have a pastoral authority that we are to follow. We are to submit to. We need to be obedient to God's Word and holiness and witnessing and authority. And then lastly, we need to be obedient to God. This is profound. Don't miss this. In everything that God's Word reveals to you as you read and you study your Bible. You realize that God's Word will never lead you astray? God's Word is infallible, inerrant. It's God-breathed. Every word in your Bible is true. God will never call you to do anything that is going to be to your harm. We must be obedient. We are called to a life of obedience. The only way you'll honor God, the only way you'll glorify God in your life is to fulfill the call of obedience. We sing the great hymn, Trust and Obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Friend, listen, obedience to God, <coughs> obedience to God is not something that's going to be detrimental to you. It's not something that's going to be hard for you. It's not something, the Bible says that um, His commandments are not grievous. They're not things that are going to be just horrible and, and, and terrible for you to do. Fulfilling God's Word, obeying God, honoring God, living for God brings joy, brings satisfaction, brings peace that the world will never know. God makes it worth it. You know, I look at these first two callings, the calling to salvation, the calling to obedience. Do you realize that the Bible says again, the call of salvation, there will be those that reject that calling... They never trust Christ. Their eternity will be separated from God. In the same manner, our call to obedience, there will be those that will reject the call to obedience. There will be those that are born-again believers, but will live carnal lifestyles, and their carnal lifestyle will never afford them a moment of joy and satisfaction. In fact, when you look at a carnal Christian, what you see is a very miserable, often depressed individual. Why is that? They were called to obedience. Literally, they were created for obedience. God gives satisfaction and joy and peace as we yield to God's Word. And if we neglect that and we reject what God has called us to, it leads to a life of misery. 
That's why you see so many in the world today turn to drugs, turn to alcohol, turn to sexual sins, turn to all manner of addictions. They're trying to be satisfied and happy, and it only comes from Jesus Christ. It only comes from fulfilling the calling on our lives to salvation, the calling of obedience. Notice with me lastly tonight, we are called to a specific purpose. Each and every one of us are called to a specific purpose. Now, I believe that that purpose is different for each one of us. What I am called to may not necessarily be the specific purpose that you were called to. Listen to these verses. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9. The Bible says, "...who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began." He says, we were called with a holy calling. God's purpose for your life is a holy purpose. Romans 8 and verse 28. We know that all things work together for good to them that, are, that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. One more, Ephesians 4 and verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. I believe with all of my heart tonight that every individual has been called to a specific purpose. God has a specific purpose for each and every individual in the world. It is a unique calling specifically for you. This specific purpose is what you are to do with your life. It's literally what God has made, created you to do for the rest of your life. Some of you may have a good idea of what that is. I believe there are those in the room tonight, you, re- you received God's calling for your life, you recognized it a long time ago, and you've lived your entire life fulfilling God's calling, and now you're retired. And the question is, what now? God called me to this, I was faithful to it, now I'm retired. Is it time to give up and quit? The answer to that is obviously no. I believe that God's specific purpose for your life may change the older we get. As you retire, you're no longer doing a specific vocation God's called you to. God's calling for you is still there. There is still a holy calling on your life. It may be a little different than it was in your prime, but God still has a purpose for you. If you're breathing tonight, if you're alive tonight, God has a plan for your life. I can't tell you what it is. God can. If you'll seek after it, God will reveal that to you. There may be folks in the room tonight, you're a little younger, and you would be honest and say, I really have no idea what God has called me to do. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. I haven't received that revealing yet. Can I encourage you? God does not want to hide His will from you. God does not want to play games with you. If you will seek God, if you will get serious, get in the Bible, get on your knees in prayer, ask God to reveal His purpose for your life, He'll do it. He wants you to know what it is. God does not delight in playing games with His children. He wants you to know exactly what it is He has called you to do. We're talking about the callings of God. If you're taking notes, I would write this down. You can substitute that word calling... For the word created. I believe when God calls us, what He is saying is this is literally what God has created me to do. God has created. When you look at the call to salvation, what that means is God created you for salvation. God created you for fellowship. You realize that tonight? God created you 
for fellowship. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God created you for fellowship. Why is it that you see lost people in the world today and they're so stinking miserable? They're depressed. They're down in the dumps. They're addicted to all manner of things. Why? There is a need in their life. God created them to need and desire fellowship. And that fellowship is with the Lord Jesus Christ. If they're not receiving that fellowship, if they haven't trusted in Christ, they haven't fulfilled God's will, what God has created them for, they're never going to find joy and happiness. It's the same thing for the call to obedience. You and I, as God's people, if we're saved, we were not only called to obedience, we were created for obedience. That's why the greatest joy and satisfaction is found in being obedient to God's Word. And by the way, God has created each of us to a specific purpose. Can I share with you what that is for me? God's purpose for my life, the reason that God has created me, God's calling on my life is the same that has been called for Pastor Andy, is to preach the Word of God. To stand up and proclaim God's truth. God has called me, God has created me to be a preacher. And friend, let me tell you, God has called and God has created you to a specific purpose. The direction of God's will for your life was programmed into you before you were ever formed in the womb. God cares about you. You're not just here by accident. You're not just here to occupy space. God created you specifically on purpose to do something. You value, you're, you're valued by God. You're important to God. God told Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. God told Jeremiah, Before you were ever born, I knew you, I loved you, I sanctified you, and I ordained you a prophet to the nations. God told Jeremiah, Listen, before you were ever born, I had a plan for you. I had a purpose for you. It was unique to Jeremiah. It's what Jeremiah was created to do. Friend, tonight, God has a purpose for you, and it's unique to you. God has something that He has created you to do. The question is, do you know what it is? If you don't, chances are it's because you've never asked God to reveal it to you. You've never spent time in God's Word seeking what it is. And you'll never be happy to the fullest until you allow God to reveal to you the purpose for which you were created. The Bible says in Romans eleven twenty nine, "...the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance." Can I tell you that God created you for a reason? And you'll never know the greatest joy outside of knowing what He's created you to do. And here's the amazing thing about it. Here's the awesome part about God's calling on your life. Whatever it is God's called you to do, whatever the purpose for your life is, get this, He always equips you to fulfill it. He always equips you to fulfill it. He gives you and I every tool that is necessary to do the work that God has called us to do. If He calls a young man to preach, He will equip that young man to be a preacher. If He calls a young lady to be a doctor, He will equip that young lady to have the skills and the knowledge necessary to get through school and be that doctor. If He calls you into education, He does the equipping for you to fulfill what God has called you to do. And by the way, God does the equipping. 
If you knew me back in high school, I would be the least likely person for you to see standing behind a pulpit preaching God's Word. But I thank God that the moment I surrendered my life to God, the year I graduated from high school, it was God that began to equip me to be a preacher. It was God that led me to Crown College of the Bible where I was trained in the Word of God. And God has trained and equipped and given me every tool necessary to preach the Word of God because that's what He created me for. Friend, whatever it is God has created you to do, you can name it. I couldn't name all the vocations there are. I couldn't name all the things that God could create you for. But I promise you, He will equip you and give you every tool necessary to do it. I think about our missionaries. Our fish fry and cake auction is Saturday. (coughs) Then we enter into a week of a missions conference. Do you realize that these men that God has called to be missionaries, they were created for a purpose, to go off to foreign soil and many even in the homeland and open the Word of God and preach the Gospel and see souls saved. That was what God had created them to do. Do you realize tonight that as the local church, their calling as missionaries is to go preach the Gospel. Our calling as the local church is to support. And that's what Saturday is all about. We need to be invested in this. We need to help financially. We need to help with our prayers. We need to be invested in this missions conference. Why? We've been called to do it. And God will equip and help us in anything that He has called us to do. Do you see the callings tonight? I hope that the Holy Spirit of God has helped you and I to understand that we have been called. We've been called to salvation. We've been called to a life of obedience. And then there are specific callings and specific purposes that God has on our lives. The callings of God. Now, as we wrap this up, I want you to see, just in closing, how are we to respond to these callings? You recognize that you've been called. You recognize that you've been called to salvation, obedience, and then specific callings. But what what do you do now? How do you respond to the callings of God? Notice with me very quickly, there are three different responses that I find people have to God's callings. Number one, one one of the responses that you can have to God's calling is to waste it. To waste it. There are many people in the world today that have wasted God's calling. It's a terrible thing, but it is possible for you and I to waste the calling that God has on our lives. How do you do that? By never caring enough to open your Bible, get on your knees, and seek God to reveal to you His will. There are so many people that fill the pew of churches Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night... And they're just here. They go through the motions and they never care enough to find out why God created them for. They've wasted the calling on their lives. There are others who knew God's will. They know what they've been called to do and they just simply choose to not follow. They choose to reject. There are those who God has called to be preachers. I can name young men right now that God has called to be preachers. But they had other plans. They had something better in mind, so they thought. And years down the road, as men, they look back with regret on the moment they rejected their calling. You can waste God's calling by disqualifying yourself from being able to fulfill it. Again, I know many a young man that God has called into full-time Christian service. And because of unguarded moments because of brief moments where they did not fear the Lord and did not think about the Lord, they disqualified themselves 
from fulfilling the call of God. Friend, tonight, when you look at these calls of salvation, obedience, and specific purposes for your life, have you wasted any? I believe there are some tonight who God has called in this local assembly to get involved in our bus routes. I believe there are men and women that God has called to go out, visit these young people, ride the bus, and help in the bus ministry. God's called you to it. You know you should, but you've been wasting your calling. God's equipped you to do it. God has given you a talent and ability to be able to work with young people, and you're wasting your call tonight. You've yet to jump in. I believe there are men and women in our service tonight that God has called to work in other ministries in our church, maybe sing in the choir. God's gifted you with a beautiful voice. God's gifted you with the ability to play an instrument. And you're wasting God's talents and abilities He's given you. You know what God's asked you to do. You're wasting it. Let me tell you a second response tonight. When you look at the callings of God, not only can you waste the calling, but I believe secondly, you can abuse the calling. You can literally abuse the call of God in your life. How do you do that? You use the things that God has given you, the things that God has equipped you with, the tools that God has given you for selfish gain. You take a skill, you take a talent that God has given you to fulfill His purpose, and you use it for something outside of God's plan for your life. Here's an example of this, just so you can understand where I'm at. Understand this, I do not believe that everybody that is called into education is called into a Christian school. I don't believe that. I believe we have wonderful, God-fearing believers that teach in the public school system. We have several in our church tonight. However, if you have been called, and you know that you've been called to teach in a Christian school setting... But let's imagine that you know this, God called you to be a Christian school teacher, but you decide and you reason in your heart and in your mind that you can make more money teaching in a secular university, and you take the talents, you take the skills that God has equipped you with to be a Christian school educator, and you go to that secular university because you can make more money. What have you done? You have abused God's calling for your life. He equipped you to do this. You chose to take that talent and do something else. Here's a be- maybe a better example of this. When you look at uh, many of the country music stars that are out there today, you look at the rock stars, and you look at the people, man, they're making millions of dollars. They've got a wealthy lifestyle. Uh, they have captured our kids' minds with their country and rock music. But do you realize that the vast majority of country music stars had their beginning singing in local churches? Many of them began in the local church, singing in their church. God gave them a great talent. God gave them a great ability. And now there's nothing holy about their lives because they have taken the skills God had given them, God had equipped them with to glorify Him. They're using them for selfish gain. What have they done? They've abused the calling that God has for them. Maybe tonight you can think of things God has called you to do. You can think of talents. You can think of abilities. You can think of skills God's given you, but you're not using them for God's purpose. You're using them for selfish gain. Are you abusing God's call for your life? And then lastly tonight, and we're through, the third response, and the response that I pray each and every one of us have, is to use and be faithful to what God has called us to do. Do you realize tonight that God is faithful to you? He always has been. He always will be. He will always be faithful to give you and I everything that we need 
to fulfill what He calls us to do. The question is, will you be faithful to Him in return? He's faithful to you. He's given you everything you need. Will you return that faithfulness? Will you fulfill the calling on your life? Will you be faithful to that which God has created you to do? He has called you to salvation, and if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, He's waiting for you. In just a moment, we're going to have a hymn of invitation. And what's going to happen is the piano is going to play. We're going to stand together. Heads will be bowed. Eyes will be closed. And if you're here tonight, you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I invite you, if you will come down the aisle, meet our pastor right here at the front. He will have somebody open God's word and show you how to know that your sins are forgiven and heaven is your home. You're called to it. Allow somebody to show you how to know that you're on your way to heaven. He's called each of us to a life of obedience. Hey, believer. Have you been obedient to the Lord? Have you been obedient to all that God has revealed to you in His Word? Has your obedience stemmed out of your love for Christ? Or is it stemmed out of some form of obligation? We need help. Have you discovered tonight the specific purpose for your life? What God has created you for? And if you have, are you wasting it? Are you abusing it? Or are you being faithful to it? Let's bow for a word of prayer.